Hi, John. So you just wrapped things up at Henry Sibley. Uh, just kind of give an overview about your, was it four or five years there, kind of how things went, you know, big takeaways, what you learned, and if you were to get another job, what were some things you would do differently? Yeah, I'm actually going to pull up my Google Docs. So one of the best things I did, it was four years. Um, one of the best things I did um, right after I was done was I just sat down and wrote all my thoughts down and like what I liked, what I didn't like, you know, what I would have done different. And, you know, um, obviously we didn't win as much as, you know, I would have hoped we, you know, we fought first year we won five games, second year we won uh, nine and then we kind of dropped off and won six and five as, you know, some players kind of went through and, you know, changed, but um, Oh, what the hell? You have to edit a little bit of this, I think, because I gotta find the. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I was happy about was I thought we did a great job with the youth program. Um, you know, coming into Sibley, traditionally they lose quite a bit of kids from their travel program to private schools and whatever. And so, you know, we put a lot of time into the youth program, developing relationships, trying to, uh, you know, get more kids to stay or the ones that wanted to come develop them to be, you know, more skilled and, you know, hopefully that would boost the level of, of our program. You know, we, every Sunday night in, you know, in the fall, like in October or September, October, and then in the spring in April and May, we worked with them, you know, for an hour and a half on Sunday nights. And in the summer, we went three days a week for an hour and a half and just really hammered skills and three on three and did a lot of games based, a lot of, you know, trying to develop basketball IQ as well as obviously shooting ball handling, that whole thing. Um, you know, I thought we built some really, you know, some really positive relationships with our, with our youth program and with our youth kids. And I, I thought it got better. You know, the things that I thought we had some wins that, you know, maybe didn't show up on the scoreboard. Like for example, all of our lower level teams this year won 10 or more games for the first time in a long time. We didn't at the varsity level. And, you know, I can put that on me and my lack of coaching, but at least uh, we could see it in the lower levels where, you know, like our freshmen won the conference and the year before they finished second, you know, our, our sophomore team is better than they were men a long time. And their JV was finally winning games. And, you know, you could kind of see that it was coming, but, you know, again, I think that was a lot of the time that our guys put in and the opportunities that we gave them to, uh, you know, to work on their game. So I thought that was really good. Um, I thought by the end of it, you know, culturally we were, we were better than my first year. And, and, you know, again, I, I don't know what happened before I got there, or what's going to happen after, but, you know, I, I do know that my, from my first year to our fourth year, we got better guys really practiced hard and, you know, did what they were supposed to do and gave their best effort. And that's, you know, kind of all I can, you know, all I can say, it, it's funny, you know, we had a, one, one of our, one of the parent complaints was that, we established a culture where doing your best was good enough. Um, and, and they were that they were upset with that because they thought it should be about winning. And I kind of like laugh and I'm like, well, I don't know what else you want. Like the guys are doing their best. I mean, you know, so we had that going for us. Um, you know, yeah, I'm going to build off that. I feel like, you know, I, I feel like philosophically, like, you know, good high school coaches are like plus five wins or potentially negative five wins over the course mm -hmm. of the season. And that's probably even too much. You know, so much of it is, like you said, you got to build those relationships. you got to get in at it with the youth level. <laughs> you know, again, I don't know what Henry Sibley was like either before you got there. Um, but, you know, you just aren't going to come in there and kids are going to get 10 times better from their junior or their senior year because you stepped in the gym with them. And so I think that's so essential is that, you know, 
realizing that let's get your kids to play hard. Like that's such the most important step because at the end of the day, you know, best coaches in the state a lot of times have some of the best players in the state and it's such a, you know, such a players based sport. So yeah, yeah I feel like I, that's, I a, say, that's definitely a misconception. A lot of parents have is that, Oh, yeah. well, what the heck my kid did summer workouts and they played AAU. Like, why aren't they winning games? Like, you know, that's not necessarily a correlation. Like your kid's nice. Like but they're not a college level player. It's hard to, it's hard to win without, you know, good players. Well, a couple of things I'll say. Like the guy before me was Lonell James, who was a Dasovich assistant, did a nice job. Like, the, you know, kids played hard and they were good. You know, he's a great dude. And, you know, he left the program in a good spot. And, you know, I hopefully built off that. And hopefully the next guy can continue to build on that. But the other part is, you know, yeah, I mean, just being there in the summer and doing AAU is just like the ticket to get in. But, you know, I do look back this year and I think there were probably five or six games that I look at and say, if I could have just done a little better job, we might have yeah. won. But, you know, you win some, you lose some. Um, you know, but there definitely was some room for growth for me. Um, you know, I thought we had a really good coaching staff. I'm going to go over the bad stuff in a second here. Um, yeah, I liked we hired. Um, we got some, you know, guys that really cared about kids that taught the game. And, and I think that was, you, you know, like a big thing for me was like, can we just get guys that care about kids and want to teach? Um, and I think, you know, they treated our kids really well. Like one of the cool things in, in our, you know, we had almost 50 players in a program. And one of our exit questions was, I feel like my coach cares about me more than just a person. And I think of like the 50 kids, 48 said yes, and two said maybe. You know, there was no no. So it was kind of cool to see that. And that's got to be a big rock of any program, right? You know, it, it can be corny at times, but you go to the high school league and the why we play stuff, which is so big within the high school league, educate, coach education stuff, and that's it, right? You yeah. Kids want to feel valued. They want to feel respected. And obviously there's going to be – you said a couple kids who are in the maybe zone. Uh, and that could have been one thing they're hung up on on their three or four years in the program that they just can't get over. But you don't have, you know, 96% of your kids say yes like that. That's obviously speaks volumes to the culture that you guys had built. And, you know, maybe you didn't show up on the scoreboard, but you're playing Metro East competition. You know, you're in, you had Apple Valley in your section for your first three years until this year when you came down to three. And so, mm -hmm. you know, that obviously is, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when you look back in 10 years, it's going to be those connections you made. And would you have liked to have won more games? Sure. But, like you said, there's probably some games that you could have won if you had done things differently. But, you know, yeah. you know the big picture stuff is yeah. kids that's enjoy all, being there. Like they enjoy like their experience. That, you know, that's all the stuff that doesn't show up on the scoreboard. But yeah. the, the hard reality of it is when you're not a good enough coach to win those games, you just don't get to stay. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, yeah, I would have liked to do a little better. But I thought our coaching staff was good um, with our parents. You know, we had some parents that definitely didn't always love it, but, in, in four years, I didn't have a single parent email or admin about me or AD or anybody else. Um, we had no, like, brutal, like, blow-ups or nasty emails or whatever. Um, you know, we had the coach of the year thing that some ex-parent did and yeah. whatever. But, you know, we bought the cupcakes for that. But That was uh, really cool. I thought a great experience, you know, just great opportunity to make it, you know. Why not have fun? Uh, make right? a positive out of a potential negative and take the high road. And that's, you know, it, it's hard to do that. And we see the country that we live in. And some of the stuff that we see in the news today, it's like we're so divided, but sometimes it is just take that high road and um, the, the character stuff takes over. And uh, that was really cool to see. For, from, from, yeah. from 70 miles away, man, that was really cool to see. <laughs> well, hey, you got you to gotta enjoy it, right? We do what we do. Um, you know, I thought the off-season stuff we did, like my first year, we had eight to ten high school kids and maybe a dozen middle school kids in the off-season every time. And our, our last uh, summer and fall, our last fall, I think we had 
40 high school kids and 50 middle school kids. So we really grew that. And I think that helped us. Um, you know, and again, I think there was a lot of good things, but you know, what I wish I'd have done different is I, I, I never, I did a poor job of establishing an identity, you know, like what we were, who we were going to be. And, and that was partially because we try something and it wouldn't work. And instead of just saying, okay, I, I believe in this, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get it. I just go, Oh my God, I'm doing a terrible job. I better switch to something else. You know, like we, we tried about every year, we tried something different offensively and defensively and tried to, there, there's no magic. And, and we would have been better off if I'd have just walked in year one and said, here's who we are culturally. Here's who we are X's and O's. Here's who we are style of play. And we're going to do this. But I didn't. And that was probably my biggest downfall. Um, you know, in, in terms of that, I wish we'd have done a better job of that. Um, if you were to give advice to a, if you were to give advice to a first year head coach or, a, you know, a coach maybe who, who has been around, but you know, has is first year in a new program is to say, have your identity X's and O's, Y's, and just stick with it. Would that be one of the biggest things yeah. that you would encourage a new coach? Well, I mean, let's be honest. Look at every single good program in Minnesota. Everyone has a, that a program year to year, has an identity. You know, I mean, for how many years Dave Thorson was grinders win, right? And they grind you on D and they play hard. And Or you look at Tartan and, and Klingsporn, who I think is one of the best coaches that the state's had and, you know, gets more out of those, some of those dudes every year and, Again, they're talented. We're going to defend. We're going to play hard. Um, and then you, but there's also lesser known guys. Like the guy who just got the job at Simley. You know, they're going to run Princeton and they're going to play a three-two zone. And they've got a style and they do it and they do it with fidelity. And he, they, you know, from top to bottom, you know, Simley was better than people thought they'd be. So that'd be my number one thing. It's just figure out who you are and go with it. Um, you know, and you know, I just. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff I wish I'd have done differently. Um, so let me tell you, I know you're big, obviously, with the small-sided games. Yeah, you've presented, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if it's a half a dozen times or, you know, a few times. But, yeah. um, you know, obviously, talk just quickly for those maybe that aren't familiar. It's kind of what your, what your philosophy is and then what your typical practice looks like. So, you know, I, I believe the game teaches the game. Um, you know, I just did a presentation on it, a real short one. It was me the uh, college coach from Canada who also coaches under 15s for Canada for their national team and the <laughs> under 15s coach for Italy. So I just really didn't belong. But, um, you know, but what I talk about is this, if they can't do it, you do drills. They're like just blocked, just blocked practice. Um, if they can do it, but they're struggling a little bit, maybe you do some dummy D, but for the most part, the small side of games is where they learn how to do it against live defense, how to read, how to make plays, you know, how to make decisions, all the things that the gamer is about. Because if you just do drill, 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 because I don't know how many times early in my career, like we do shell drill. We do it for 20 minutes and we just hammer it. And they would look great and they'd all be in the right spots. And then we'd go play and I'd be saying, what the fuck? We just did this. Yeah. We just shell drilled for 20 minutes. How come? But after that first passing cut or that first drive or that first right. screen, you, know, you just – you have to practice habits in an environment that you're going to actually have to use the habit. So, which is why I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of a lot of games based. Although when I look at my, you know, at my like wishing I'd have done better list, which is a lot longer than I shared, but you know, I think sometimes I would skip past the, they can't do it on air and would go like, we do some reps on air, then go into, into small sided games and they might not be ready. So there's a fine line of like adjusting. And I think I was better in my final year 
of like, okay, they, they don't get it. Let's go back and drill it on air or dummy D it and then come back. But I think you got to spend most of your time playing the game. And the other part of it is it's engaging and kids signed up to play basketball. You know, kids didn't sign you up. Have five mi- you have five minutes into practice. Do you go three on three, four on four, or five on five? You have five minutes, right? You take over my practice. I give you five minutes. What are you doing? Five on five. Because that's okay. how the game's played. You know, like, even, even stuff like, I know you run a lot of that. You still run a lot of that side pick and roll, right? Because you ran it two yep. years ago. And, you know, pick and roll is great. But if you run it two on two, then, then you don't, you're not learning how, what, what do you happens when the help comes from the backside, when it comes from the ball side, when that, what reads to make and plays. You better be able to score on a two on two pick and roll with that much space yeah. on a half of a court. Like, it's yeah, exactly. not realistic, right? You know, how many exactly. times do you see, you know, coaches that have bigger names and have way more success than us talk about on social media that it's not about what's going on in the ball, it's going on with off the ball, yeah. right? And pick and roll defense. So who's tagging, right? Who's, Who's yeah. one pass away? Who, are they stunting? Are they are they trapping? Or you know, I mean, there's so much more. What's the what's the throwback guy doing? And yeah, it's uh, yeah, you got to play the game five on five. So you know, obviously, coaches would be like, all right, what's this guy talking about? Um, we got to run our set play. So how do you factor? what well, you maybe it's your actions, maybe it's your sets. How do you factor that into your game space system? So you know, we do a lot of like, and again, I'm probably not the one to talk about this too in five games this year, but. Like, you know, we would do stuff like, all right, we're going to start in a set and flow into our, our motion stuff. So we're going to play five on five on five. We have, we have varsity and JV. So we have almost, we have 20 kids together. So we got, we just go five on five on five, but, or, and five on five on five on five, but we just yep. rotate guys through and you start with your set into your basement. Okay. Hey, back. We lost you there. We lost you there for a second. So say that again, you start with your set and then you, you kind of cut out. So. or into your half-court offense. So it's basically just running your offense over and over and over again. But you're doing it 5-on-5. I mean, when they know the set, I don't think you need to go 5-on-0 anymore because you're not learning the angles and the what's open, what's not, and, you know, all that stuff. So so what's next for you from here? What, what are you looking at? Not necessarily are you looking at head job, assistant job, but let's say you get a let's say you get a head coaching job here in a month. Obviously we got COVID nineteen and you know things are gonna be a little bit muddy. The water's gonna be a little bit muddier with coaching jobs and, and jobs I feel like in general throughout you know throughout the country. Um, but what's you go in day one, what are you doing now that you've you've done it for four years, you you you've taken some time now away. What what are you doing day one or day ten or what's your ninety day whatever outlook? What 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 are you doing? I won't get too far in the weeds, but I think the first part is like, got to establish the culture and see who wants to be on board with it. Um, I think in my experience at Sibley, I probably came in with the idea of what I wanted. And then I, I kind of tried to appease people and tried to like, you know, well, hey, they're not used to this. I'm going to kind of slowly get in here. And, and I think that ended up just wasting time. I should have just walked in and said, okay. The people don't want to do it, you're welcome to stay. If, if you can't be who you are, if, you know, there was, a, there was a great line I picked up at a clinic today. I'm actually going to share because it was that good. But it was, where was it? Be you but align with us. So that, that's basically, I mean, like the, the gist of it. You know, because we took, we took, we, had, we were really patient with a lot of guys because, Hey, I kind of, you know, kind of felt bad for him. And, you know, again, there's more to it than just basketball. But, you know, probably would just – the guys that don't want to buy in don't need to be a part of it. 
Um, and I think that's an area I probably should have done better, but just figuring that out right away. Um, you know, and then just honestly, like not putting in the X's and O's right away, just taking time to figure out like, what do you have and what are you going to have? And how does that, you know, cause again, I know how I want to play in general, but the X's and O's can be a little bit different depending on, you know, the whatever, but then as soon as you make a decision, we're just going to go with it. And if, again, if you can't align with us, X's and O's wise or culture-wise, then this isn't for you. And just being more okay saying, ah, you know, I'm sorry, maybe basketball isn't for you. Like this, you just don't fit what we're trying to do. Um, I think that was probably the thing I screwed up the most. So you see a lot of good teams down the Metro. What are some of the trends uh, that you're seeing offensively and defensively? You know, it's easy to see what division one coaches and here are division one coaches or NBA coaches or what you see on social media. I think obviously the, the goal for this is that Minnesota high school coaches can hear from, you know, their colleagues who are seeing similar teams and kind of dealing with the same sort of culture related stuff with the parents or with the youth, youth association. Um, but from Nexus Knowles perspective, offensively, defensively, what are some of the common trends you're seeing down the Metro uh, the last few years? Honestly, it's a mixed bag, like a lot of high ball screen stuff. Um, yeah, everybody's kind of everybody kind of has something in their bag of some high ball screen, but there's sort of a lot of teams run that Euro ball screen, you know, the back cut dribble handoff thing. Um, St. Thomas probably runs it as well as anybody, um, and you've got a lot of teams that kind of do that. Then you've got the contingent of old school motion teams like Tartan falls into that, and I haven't, you know, the problem is when you're a head coach, you don't get to go watch for fun anymore. You know, yeah, I don't, have, I don't have time to go see, like, Eden Prairie this year or your mini ha-ha or whatever. Because um, if I was going to be away from my family, it was going to be going to watch a section game. or. Uh, uh, but, you know, a lot of high Let me ball. tell you this. I'm a real quick. You know, I'm going I'm to I'm jump in on the Eden Prairie oh, train. So, Eden Prairie played Cambridge, right, you know, a week or so before we played them. I think it was a Saturday, and we played Cambridge on a Friday. And, you know, I got two young kids, you know, got my wife, and I'm just like, you know, we don't have a lot of Saturday games. Maybe we only had two all year. So I'm just like, Saturdays, Sundays, like we really try to make it family time. I'm like, damn, I want to go see Eden Prairie play. And so I'm like, I, I, I convinced my wife, I go, if you drop me off, you go run to Target in Cambridge for an hour and a half, two hours. You come back and get me. like, grab with a Target trip. But man, that Eden Prairie team, you know, this is my seventh year as head coach, ninth year coaching, you know, at the high school level. And just the way that that team moved the basketball and how selfless that they were. There was zero egos on that team. And, you know, just even all the way down to not even getting their section final game, but, you know, they had their, their, their net cutting ceremony at their gym and they had that moment. Um, you know, obviously they were the, I think they ended up being a top 20 team nationally. Right? Yeah. And just like that team was just something special and they weren't, but they had scholarship kids, right? They had, they had yeah. kids going D1, D2, but they didn't, they didn't have any high major kids. But they were just so, so sound. I mean, just the way they moved the basketball, how they moved defensively. Uh, it was, they were a treat to watch this year. Yeah. No, they're really, you know, they're really they're, – well, every time I watch – I've watched them in the past. I've always come on, yeah, they're well coached. Like, yeah. it's, it's a good job of being super solid with those dudes and gets them to play the right way. But, yeah, so in terms of trends, a lot of side ball screen teams, um, a lot of, like, motion. A lot of, right now, a lot of five-out stuff. Um, for You don't see a whole lot of – Irondale's one that runs a lot, some high-low, but you don't see a lot of, like, three-out, two-in, you know, pound the ball inside anymore. Um, it's a lot of pace and space spread in either dribble drive or, um, you know, dribble drive or high ball, and then some traditional motion. That's, you know, that's about it. 
So uh, do you feel like teams are pressing less in 2020 than they maybe were in 2010? I don't know if they ever – like down here anyway, I don't think they ever really – I don't ever see a lot of press. Like I remember getting to Tartan and asking Klingsborn about, you know, why don't you just get up and go full court? It's just like teams are skilled. You know, they're going to they're gonna break down. And, you know, and I think that's – I think that makes it hard. Um, I don't think – I just don't think they've pressed for a while because I just think it's – Hey, I think it's hard. I think it's got to be a, you know, you got to be like Bob Huggins where you just, that's your mentality. Um, you know, I mean, St. Paul Johnson was really good at it for a long time. Um, but, you know, they're few and far between that are just going to like press Virginia you. Yeah, I will, uh, you know, I'm not, tr- not trying to make it too much about what we do. Um, but, you know, we had, we've had a little success here, Princeton, last couple of years. And, you know, we played at the state tournament last year. Uh, finished fourth. And, you know, no knocking, Montemidae or De La Salle. Those were excellent teams with, well-coached teams, very talented teams. See the Salve is about 39, right? They're a really good team. But the biggest takeaway that we left with that, when we played Austin in the third-place game, just how effectively Sadness got their guys, make or miss, they just got right into their press. It was just a thing of beauty, and you couldn't prepare for it. But like I said, you got to be really good at pressing, I feel like. Because, you know, basketball is a talented game. Guys are good. You know, we have a lot of really good basketball players in our state. But watching Austin, how they just – it didn't make, miss, turnover, dead ball, live ball turnover. They just got right into it, and it was just a thing of beauty. So we had to play We had to play them two years ago. Um, and Fadness is – Fadness, I'd say, is one of the best coaches in the state. And, again, there's another great example of a guy who has a system, has a culture, and just goes with it. He doesn't – you know, like, he's not going to change who he is. Here's what we do. And I, you know, if you don't like it, then you got to go. But – you know, and he's very successful with it. They play that zone, they press, they – but the thing that killed – like, I love – my favorite – one of my favorite stories is – so we played them, and we're down – yeah, we were down, like, two or three at halftime. It was – we was probably our best half of basketball the year. And then they came out in the second half and just put it on us. And I remember coming to a timeout, and they just dunked on us or done something. And our kids were talking to like they were saying to each other, like, they don't talk any shit. They don't look at you. They don't say anything. And they were, like, more, like, thrown off about those guys not talking <laughs> shit than they were about, like, you know, like, how, like the score or the defense. Or they just couldn't believe, like. But, again, that's fadness. Like, that's fadness in the culture he's created is those kids play hard. I mean, I don't. it's hard to get kids to play as hard as he does and as hard as, like, Dave got his dudes to play or Klingsporn gets his guys to play, like, you know. And even that, I mean, De La Salle, who you, you would argue probably – De La Salle and Tartan probably are two of the better defensive teams in the last, you know, decade. Those guys don't press you all game. You know? Yeah. So you're on, you're on Mark Staff at Tartan for a while without sharing too many of his secrets. What are some of the things he does to get his kids to defend so well or things that you, you learned from him that you brought with you to Henry Sibley? So I'll say this. Clinton's probably the most misunderstood coach in the state in terms of, like – who people think he is versus who he really is. Everybody thinks he's like this yeller screamer or whatever. Man, you know why those kids play hard? Those kids play hard because they know he loves them. Those kids play hard because he demands it from them in a way that's positive and uplifting. And, and again, another guy who, like this is the theme tonight, had a culture, established a culture, and if you don't like the culture, you can go. Like I'll never forget um, my first year, the year before that, or like the, the you know like the like my first year the year before they had two Division One kids that transferred, and then 
another kid who was Division three. So these three guys all transferred the, you know, the year before, like the summer before I got there. So they were on the team the year before I got there. They weren't on the team the year I was there. So three Division one kids transferred, or two Division one and Division three kid transferred. And you'd think that would just gut the whole program, right? That was the year we won the section, and we went to the state tournament, and those three were sitting on the baseline watching it as we went to the state tournament. Next guy was, up. Huh? Next guy up. Yeah, and, that, and that's just it. Because for Clinsporn, it was like, okay, they, they just didn't buy into, you know, what we were doing, and that's okay. And, you know, I wish them well and want them to, you know, be successful. But if they didn't buy into what we were doing, we'll just find more guys. And he did, you know, and he always does. And, you know, again, he, he had a standard, he had a, a culture, and he didn't waver from that. He had a system, and he didn't waver from that. And, you know, even when you could have said, well, maybe, you know, with this team you should play a little zone or whatever, but, nah, we're going to do what we do. And, you know, again, I think that's, you know, pretty good. Yeah, I feel like that's what, you know, obviously, we, you know, we won our section again this year after last year we lost, you know, won our section graduated 2,000 points, kid playing at Jamestown, kid playing on Hamlin, kid playing at St. John's. Uh, a couple more kids that could have played, one's playing football, one just wanted to go to school. And everyone's like, well, how are you going to change things? And we're like, we're going to keep running. And like, why wouldn't we? That's just how we play. We run. And like, well, you lost this, 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 this. Like, so? Like, we, our kids know how to run. And, you know, we, you know, we averaged 85 points a game, led class 3 a.m. points. And, you know, we had some lopsided games. Uh, which obviously maybe skewed that number a bit, but you know when you have that, I feel like where we've had success, it's really nothing that you know I've X's and O's wise. You know we talked about earlier in the conversation here about what you can do within a game um, to help win things, and maybe there's something you know, switching to this or running this here, there, calling that timeout. But really, it's you know what you're running, and you know we've just kind of established where we've had success. Not that we're the <laughs> end all, be all for success. Um, just we're just gonna run and we're gonna we're gonna press a little bit and we're gonna try to turn you over. We're just gonna play fast and that's really our mindset here up in Princeton is I know we I like to consider ourselves a suburban school. I know a lot of people might not. I think a lot of people cut that off at Elk River, but um, you know, we play a lot, you know, with Mississippi A conference, we play a good amount of suburban teams and our our big thing is like you mentioned that 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 maybe not as much your culture but who you are on the court is we're just gonna run and we I mean we ran my first year, we got beat. Mall, we won 100 points for fighting mean, five or six times my first year. There's just some lopsided games where um guy who was coaching me at the time, uh, he's not with me anymore. Uh, Matt Anderson, I know you know from your Bemidji mm-hmm. days. Uh, we're just like, we just got to trust him, man. Like, this is, we know we got some talent coming. We've we got to play fast because, like, no one plays fast in our section. You know, no one, you know, Hermantown played a little bit faster this year than we had in the section final. But, um, yeah, I think that's this, you know, if, if anyone listens to this, which I don't, you know, it might not be anyone, but. I think the big takeaways, as you said, and I would say as well with what we've had success in Princeton is just kind of play how you got to play, however you yeah. want to play and within reason, right? Like if you got a bunch of, you know, football kids who are, you know, 6'4", 240, it's going to be hard to go up and down the court. You got to adjust a little bit. I like that quote you mentioned earlier, but I think the big takeaway is definitely be who you're going to be and stick with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where we've had success. And we could have easily been like, crap, we lost 2,000 points. we got to slow things down. Let's run some, yep. zone. Let's run some more continuity stuff. We're like, hell no, we're going to go even faster. You know, I saw Bill Bauman, who is the uh, – I'll call him the associate head coach at Cambridge. You know, he was at yep. North France for a long time. And you got in this tweet thread. He was talking about their turnovers, and you know, and how many they turned over teams, and they had like seven turnovers a game or something. And you made the point, you know, well, you, and they play fast. But I'd argue, like, the faster you play – 
the less turnovers you're going to have. Because if you just think statistically, if you turn it over, you know, 8% of the time your team passes, the more passes you have, the more likely you're going to eventually turn yeah. the basketball over. And so, you know, you can't score if you don't shoot. So I, I'm going on my soapbox a little bit about playing fast, but, um, you know, no, but you know, that's a contested the, three is better than a turnover, right? You get a chance yep. to score on a contested three. You know, you yep. get a chance to score when you're going at a six, seven kid at the rim. But yeah, I, don't know, I think that it just, you know, just hearing you talk about that too really, really reaffirms what we're running. It's just like, not that what we're doing is wasn't great. It's just that we're, we're bought into it as a staff and the program and it's fun. And I think that's it. I think that's why you were able to bounce back this year in a year when I don't think many people picked you to win the section, let alone, you know, win the conference or whatever. And, you know, I think that your, you know, just your belief in your system or it's going to keep doing it was huge. And like I told you, know, we were texting the other day and I told you, I felt like that was a Sid Hartman close personal friend quote, like a Paul Allen thing. But, um, like, you know, like that's where you became a program. Like this year is the year you you switched from you had a good group of kids come through to now you are a program. You know, and you talk about Cambridge. Cambridge is another great example of we're going to be who we are. We're going to play that matchup zone. We're going to run all that, those shooters off off cutters, and and we're going to screen you. And, and again, that's, you know, between McDonald and Bauman up there, like that's another group who, you know, they get the most out of their kids because they just run what they believe. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's funny too being up in this area. We both get a lot of some old timers who old Rum River Conference games, you know, back in the '70s and '80s. And but you got Cambridge and Princeton, who are probably two of the more modern style teams. You mm-hmm. know, I'm not gonna say in the state because I don't know. I, I'm not watching every single team play, and I and and I don't know what 300 different teams are running. But you know, at least in our conference, in our respective sections, and in our you know north northeast part of the metro, you know, modern style teams. You want to get up and down and. You know, we saw that the first time we played them, you know, we got a weird at our asses kicked. We're down 32 at one point in the first half. I think it was like 64 to um, 32 at half or something like that at one point mm-hmm. in the half and end up only losing 100 to 89. I got it down to about eight in the second half. But um, it's just like we want kids to play. You know, I know Mike would say the same thing. You know, they, they'll they run a little bit more stuff. That Henry Abraham has scored 95 points a game, I think, for them this year. Mm-hmm. Um end up being three I think the tenth guy to get three thousand second four a kid after hurt I think to get three thousand three points and they they wanted to run some stuff to get the guy their guy a shot and we didn't have that as much or we had a guy who had to get twenty five shots a game like they did they had a dude who could fill it up and you need to get him looks but it's 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 a player's game and then you talked about us that I know and we've had conversations many conversations before you know small sided game related stuff it's a player's game you know if it's two on two, three on three, four on four, mm-hmm. five on five. It's putting kids in a spot to play, right? And I think that makes our job as coaches a lot easier. So, I, you know, the theme being, you know, you had your four years at Henry Sibley. You admitted that it maybe wasn't as successful at wins and losses-wise as you would have liked. You were able to lose on your, own, on your own accord, right? You were, you were able to be like, you know what? I moved it forward, I think, a little bit. Now next guy up to take the program where they want to go with it. Um, and that was, that I, was just, I will say, is like our, our admin at Henry Sibley was really supportive. They still believed in our vision and – for the most part, everybody was bought in, but, you know, I would rather, again, like I've always said, I'd rather get out a year too early and five minutes too late. And I just felt like it was a good time for, we built a foundation and somebody else to come in with a little bit of a fresh, you know, maybe not maybe a restart, but like a fresh boost of energy to yeah. hopefully carry these guys. Cause I think in the next year or two, it's, they're going to start really winning some games. 
I feel like too, from a coaching perspective, when you switch to that more games based approach and, and play more free flowing, it doesn't need to be fast. I've seen plenty of teams. You look at what Josh Orton did with Buffalo and with then Matt Willard, and that's a traditional, you know, a little bit, little bit of mover blocker type stuff at times with a lot of their five out flare screen and slow things down pack line defensively. But that team, he just let those kids play and they weren't maybe getting up and down every single game in the late conference trying to have, you know, 80, 90 possessions, but they still let kids play within the confines of their offense. I just think as a coach, it's so freeing. So I've been less stressed the last few years within games Mm -hmm. when I just know, like, I'm going to trust my kids to make plays. I mean, we have a play sheet of like way too much crap we find on fast draw that we do in situations that we could go to. Uh, And I actually joked, I've been joking with my assistant coach, Dylan Nonnen, um, shout out to him was one of the NBCA assistant coaches of the year this year. Does a really good job running our defense and a lot of you know, player development side of stuff and, and scouting stuff as well. But you know, we just joke with like last six minutes of our section final game within three points the whole way that we can call one set. And it's just like it was so free. It's like we're gonna let these kids make plays because we trust them. And you know, maybe December you want to get the action you want to you want you want to see, and then you talk mm-hmm. about it in film, but. Man, I just think that you see coaches who have had some success, and it's not the you know best way to do it. But you, know, you mentioned Mike at Cambridge; they've won their section two years in a row. And Mike's been coaching; he's almost got 500 wins. He's coached for a lot of years, mm-hmm. and he's changed things up a lot of ways. And to see you can teach an old dog new tricks. I mean, they play as modern a style of threes or layups as you can see, and 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 he's been doing it for a really long time. So, um, yeah, and I think you we've talked about do what you got to do, but also if you want to change or you know, especially in you know, I don't know how Henry Sibley's youth program runs, but, you know, up in these parts, um, way up in 40 minutes out of the metro, out of Minneapolis, you kind of know what you have coming up through your youth. So you can obviously tweak things as you see fit. But just have that identity and sticking with it, I think, is just so essential. See, and you, you've made that you've was, hit on that. That was not our, our situation. Um, so, like, for, you know, for example, my first year, our first eighth grade group, Excuse me. they uh, – you know, we had nine kids that played on the A travel team. And then we had another team of like nine that played C travel. We got one kid from the A team. The rest went to Creighton and St. Thomas. And then we got three kids or, you know, about three, four kids, maybe four or five from the C team. And that was our, our ninth grade group that following year. That's crazy to me. No, that's great. That's, I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, that's everywhere group. down there. Yeah. So how do you navigate those waters with your youth association? Like, I, I know you do your youth camps and stuff. How involved are you with like the travel association? I go. I would. I would go to. I would try to get three to four games a year for every team. Some of them only got two, but I try to go see them play. You know, two, three, four times. Um, I assigned assistant coach to every team, and he had to go watch them play once a month. Um, you know, and just trying to build relationships and get them to stay at at Sibley, and that was you know that was always the always the challenge was you know can we develop enough good relationships where, you know, we can keep some of these guys and, you know, or do we develop the other ones? And then we had this, you know, this grouping of kids who would move in from another district or whatever. And the other part of it was when I got the job, you know, and I don't know how to say this in any other way, but I just made a conscious decision that I was going to recruit every kid I could that lived within the West St. Paul, Mendota Heights, Sunfish Lake boundaries. But I wasn't going to go into St. Paul or, you know, South Minneapolis or, you know, Simile or Egan or South St. Paul and go try to, you know, like have kids come into our program. That just wasn't how we were going to build it. Um, 
And so, yeah, so it just became about identifying the kids in our district and trying to get them to move in or, you know, trying to get them to play. You know, we also had a grouping of kids who, you know, maybe got priced out of traveling when traveling was four to 500 bucks a kid. You know, they just would look at that number. You know, we had state scholarships available, whatever, but they just look at that number and say, I don't know if I could do that. So it was always interesting who we'd get and who we wouldn't. And, you know, but that's part of coaching and, and coaching in the Metro. And, you know, we tried, I think we put in a lot of time to try to develop those relationships and, you know, get kids to come our way. So. I think sometimes coaches can get too involved in the youth association too. You start getting, you, you get a little too close and friendly with some of the parents in the youth association and then their kid comes up and they maybe unintentionally think that they're, you're, you're tight with them or you know them well, or they got your cell phone number from when their kid was in fifth grade that you're going to yeah. take care of their kid and they're up there. Then when it doesn't, you know, they're, they got their like, communication a little bit quicker. They, they're a little more confident they can reach out to you if you have that relationship going sitting down and, grinding out two, three-hour board meetings with them throughout, you know, three, four years while the kids are youth association. So it's definitely a balancing act. I know for us, and we, we have a program where, for the most part, um, we've had some kids move in with, in the last couple of years, which has helped us be success, successful. Uh, but for the most part, we've had, um, you know, we have we kind of see who we're going to get. And you can work with those kids, and you kind of know, like, this group needs to work on this, and this group needs to work on that. But you just got to make sure, got to keep those parents at arm, arm's length and realize that, you know, we, for you and their kid and have a good personal relationship, but really it's got to be professional more with the families. And I know that's something that I would do over again. If I was, you know, talk to a, a first year head coach or new head coaches, you got to be involved with the youth stuff. But at the same time, you got to make sure you're not getting yourself too immersed where they, you know, you stretch yourself thin, you know, Phil Klapak, he's a soccer athletes football coach. Um, then I guess Davis St. Cloud State played at St. Cloud State. He's a Princeton grad. I've known, got to know him pretty well um, for my, you know, eight years and years in town here. And, but we had a good conversation actually at a wedding a few years back. And he said, um, you just have to draw your line and say, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I'm not going to go to every single youth practice. I'm, I'm going to go to maybe it's two practices a year for each team where I'm going to go to, like you said, three to four games. I think that's so key because it's so easy for that, that, that youth coach to tell you, hey, we play at Tartan this weekend. You should come watch. And, uh, okay, I will. Instead of like, no, I'm going to go to the one home tournament and maybe I go to one road tournament. Like, that's it. And yeah. so just having those yeah. expectations with youth association people, because they want to see you there, right? The parents want to see the head dog come and watch and cheer their kid on, right? Yeah. And, 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 they meet, and it gets all from, positive, from a positive place. They want their kid to have success, and their kid wants to see, you know, they want to see Coach Carrier come watch them play. But at the same time, you got to have a balance that, that personal and professional obligations too. So I think that's one thing that I went too hard when I first took over trying to be at everything. And I feel like when I started to pull back a little bit, it was like, oh, well, you used to do this and you used to do that. And I think it's being clear with those expectations too is essential when, when jumping into a new gig. Mm -hmm. Final thoughts. What's the, uh, what's one little wrinkle, weird thing, X's and O's, Y's that you've seen this year that, that was successful for someone? I know I'm putting you on the spot. We didn't text about this before the show. What's one little wrinkle? I'll throw one at you. One thing um, uh, we saw, we saw a lot of, we, a couple of times we saw teams put two on the ball you know, on, on out-of-bounds situations, mm -hmm. uh, which is, which is nor abnormal. I know it's kind of went through the social media circle uh, this, this past season. You know, so often we put two on the best ball handlers, so they don't get it. We saw a couple times team puts, teams put two on the ball. Uh, what was something that you saw? Go ahead. Cut out, cut out on me again. I don't know if it's mine or yours or whatever, but cut out for a second. So you had two on the ball. Right. Yeah, what's one little unique wrinkle that you've seen that 
you might be able to gain an advantage with. You know, I'm I'm thinking, I'm I'm rolling it over in in my head, thinking about what, you know, what different uh, what different teams did. You know, again, I'll go back to Simley. I thought, you know, they ran they ran um, Princeton stuff, and they ran some really good backdoor stuff. Just throw to the high post, backdoor cuts, and when the teams start doing that, now you really got to get off and and be ready for that. That just opens up so much other stuff, but. The other thing they did was they ran 3-2 zone, which I thought they did a good job of. Um, you know, anytime it's a little bit different, I think it, it causes some problems. Awesome. All right, Coach. Thanks for joining.